second message this afternoon is from Mr. Steve Andrews. It is entitled, Christ, Our Passover. The prophecy was being fulfilled that was given to Abraham well over 400 years as it was time to release from bondage the children of Israel out from underneath their despots those Egyptians who had held them in captivity and in bondage and it was that time and through many great miracles time after time after time God had brought them on, on to, to the Egyptians and every time Pharaoh's heart was hardened except this last time this last time we call the first Passover. Let's look at that in Exodus, the 12th chapter. As we open this message, we see God is preparing his people to come out from underneath this bondage. The Lord spoke to Moses in verse 1, and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be <clears throat> to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the, uh, on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh of that, uh, in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat it not raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire its head and its legs with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. They were ready. They were made ready. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. 
powerful miracles God wrought upon the Egyptians to bring the Israelites out of bondage. Kind of an interesting thing here. In this particular instance, they were to choose their lamb. They were to choose a lamb of the first year or a goat without blemish and a male for their sacrifice of this Passover. But notice something for today. Notice something very interesting about what it is about today's Passover that's so profound. In John, the first chapter, beginning in verse 19, we see something very, very profound. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he says, I'm not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, No. And they said uh, to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What say you of yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said uh, uh, to him, Why baptize you then? If you be not the Christ, nor Elijah, neither the prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you know not. He it is who's coming after me, is preferred above me, or before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Beth Abara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, when John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Do you see something very interesting about this? Jesus was chosen. They didn't go out and get a lamb. Jesus was chosen by God. He is the Lamb of God. Which takes away the sin of the world. This he of whom I said after me comes a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me. And I knew him not. But that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bore record saying I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And I abode and it abode upon him, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bore record that this is the Son of God. And again the next day after John stood and the two of his disciples and looking on Jesus, as he walked, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. So we see something very profound about Jesus Christ. And we'll see again here as Peter says, <clears throat> makes this statement in 1 Peter, the first chapter, 
beginning in verse 16. Because it is written, Be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, whom, who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain uh, conduct or conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as, the, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ was chosen because he is the lamb of God. He was without blemish. He was out without spot. That Old Testament Passover, that Passover, that first Passover, actually was looking towards that day when that Lamb of God would be chosen and would walk upon this earth and would be sacrificed. Who, was, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you, who by him do you believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. In 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, just one part of the backside of this verse here, it says, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He is our Passover. That sacrifice was a horrendous thing. It was not something that, I mean, any of us have seen some of those movies I'm sure it may have even been worse than, than that because it says that it was the worst thing that any man could ever suffer. Let's go to John, the 18th chapter, and let's, let's review this. As we come upon the Passover, we need to have our minds with the attitude and the, and the, and, and the understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, of what he did for all of mankind, but also on a personal basis on a one-on-one -on -one personal basis that he did for each and every one of us. That's why when we come to the Passover, we come to him personally and accept those sacrifices that he set aside for us to take, to partake of, those things, those emblems. John 18, and beginning in verse 33. John 18, beginning in verse 33. Then Pilate entered into, judgment, into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Say you this thing of yourself, or did others tell you of me? Pilate answered and says, I, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? I can imagine this man being very snide, um, very haughty. And Jesus, you know, totally innocent, coming before those who were uh, going to treat him very terribly. 
Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then when my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. <laughs> Pilate said to him, eh, what's truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release to you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release to you the king of the Jews? And then they cried, they all again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And we know the scourging during the Roman time was not just a whip. But have many different things in it that ripped the flesh and tore it apart. And it was a horrible thing to have happen. And then they plated, the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And then they put him in a purple robe. And they said, Hey, O king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. And so they were very cruel to him also, along with all the other things that were going on. Every one of those Roman soldiers were cruel to Jesus. Pilate therefore went forth again and said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, I said to them, Take him, take you him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law we ought to... Uh, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. And Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again to the judgment hall and said to Jesus, where are you? And Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate to him, speak you not to me? Know you not that I have power to crucify you and have power to release you? Very arrogant individual. And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me, except it were given you from above. Therefore he that delivered me to you has the greater sin. And from then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes him a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard this saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat down in the judgment seat in the place that was called the pavement, but in the Hebrew as uh, Gabbatha. And it was the, pre uh, the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. 
We have no king but Caesar. And they rejected Jesus. Then delivered he him, therefore, to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into the place that was the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side of him and Jesus in the midst. And and being crucified was a horrible way to die. It was a horrible way to die. Pilate wrote a title and put it on on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And this title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin to make sure that everybody saw it and was able to read it. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written? I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. And though the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout, they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they parted my garments among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, uh, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the the disciples standing whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then said he to the disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to to his home. After this, Jesus, knowing that that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now therefore was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, and he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the spirit. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was <clears throat> a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might, not, might be broken and they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other which were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bore record, and his record is true. He knows that he says true, that you might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And then after that, Joseph Arimathea asked for Jesus' body, and buried him. Brethren, coming up this Passover, we're fulfilling a covenant relationship, those of us who have been baptized. We're fulfilling a covenant relationship that we made at baptism. I always like to read this when I get a chance. It's one of the, in Peter's message, 
to those that were around at the, the day of Pentecost. And he makes this statement in verse 38, just this one, one verse. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How important. That baptism, that time that we came to understand who and what we were before God. We ask God to forgive us for our sins, to help us to understand that we had sinned against Him. And then we came to that point in which we were baptized for the remission of those sins. And we believe then that we have received God's Holy Spirit. We understand also from Romans, the sixth chapter, as Paul says, just one, one verse here, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's eternal death, brethren. That's the lake of fire. If they're not repented of, that's what happens. We end up in the lake of fire. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord because of his sacrifice. That's how important that sacrifice for each and every one of us on an individual basis is. It's how important this Passover is to each and every one of us on an individual basis. It is so important. In Romans, again, in the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, some may say that. You know, we don't need to do anything. Paul says, no, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. It goes hand in hand, doesn't it? It's a covenant relationship that we have made with Jesus Christ. At that time of baptism, we've accepted him as our personal savior. Our sins are forgiven. He, that death penalty has been passed over. We're no longer under that death penalty anymore. We now are striving towards eternal life because of Christ's sacrifice for each and every one of us on an individual basis and then for all the whole world eventually, for all that will hear, as uh, Curtis brought out, and will have it in their heart to understand and repent and be baptized. He says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his be also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, 
that hereafter we should we should not serve sin. Hereafter we should not serve sin. The importance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice is brought out very in depth in Hebrews. Beginning in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, as we read here in verse, beginning of verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept and all the people according to the law, and this is when they were at the Mount Sinai and they, they received the law and all of those things, when he had spoken all those words, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined to you. That covenant which he has enjoined to you. It is all tied together, brother. It's, it's a covenant relationship that we have. Moreover, he, spr he sprinkled the blood, both of the tabernacle, all the vessels in the ministry. And almost all things by the law purged will purge with, with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. It is therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. In other words, remember it said that they had to make that exactly because it was a representation of the heavenly. But into the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us individually. For us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once to the end of this uh, end of the age, that world actually is uh, translated age, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed men once to die, but after that, this the judgment, so Christ was offered, was once offered to bear the sins of many. And to them that look to him shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation. Continuing in chapter 10, he says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these sacrifices, those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then when they have not have to cease to be offered, because, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in no sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible, possible for the blood of, goat, of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body have you prepared me. From the foundation of the ages of the world, this was already planned. And that Christ would be sacrificed. And that lamb that was sacrificed at the Passover was a type of Christ and the sacrifice that he would make one time 
for all. In burnt offering, sacrifices for, for sin, you have no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book as is written of me to do your will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to you uh, to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, by the which will we are uh, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every high priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he'd offered up one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from hereafter expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's you and I, that one sacrifice. Whereof the Holy Spirit also is witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write uh, them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There is one thing that Jesus taught us, though. There is one thing that we do on a yearly basis. It is a yearly renewal that we must participate in because Christ set that renewal in action by his words and by his sacrifice. And we see that in John, the sixth chapter. Brethren, we'll be, we'll be reading some of these again tomorrow night at the Passover, but I wanted to to go over them so that they would be in our heart before we come to the Passover, so they would, we would be thinking about them and the, and the impact of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that it has on each individual's life. What he went through and what he is doing today as our high priest, but also the importance of this Passover service and the importance of being a part of it, of participating in that service. Beginning in John, the sixth chapter, in verse 31, it says, this is from the, it says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And then said they to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will not in no wise cast out. 
For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So it's interesting to understand. He was the Lamb of God. He came with the will of the Father. He also was um, authorized to make changes. He didn't change the law, but he did change one thing. And we shall see that here as we read on. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the, the Father's will which he sent me, that, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man came, uh, can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. There is a, a synergy between the Father and the Son as they work to bring sons and daughters into the kingdom. It's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that is, has heard and has learned of the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. How important is our relationship with Jesus Christ? <laughs> it is eternal life. That's how important it is. I am that bread of life, he said. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. They were totally physical. They didn't understand what was going on. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. That bread which I give is my flesh, which I will give the life of the world. And I'm sure we'll read these again, possibly on, the, on that first day of unleavened bread. But it's important to understand, before we come into the Passover, how important the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is and how important the, the sacrifice of that body and, the, and his blood is to our salvation. <laughs> the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give of his flesh to eat? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, <laughs> Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Who eat, whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Wow. Those are so profound. And they probably were very, it was, you know, they understood that you just didn't do that to people. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father so that he eats me, even he shall live by me. 
And it was very important that they, the, the, the words that he was saying, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats this bread shall live forever. Normally we, let's go to 1 Corinthians with some final thought. Chapter 11. We don't normally go into very much detail in this, in these here uh, verses. We normally just read them, and, and because the Passover service is a, a, a service to, to bring those emblems to bear, to, to take those in. But it's important to understand that Jesus gave us these emblems to take. He gave us these emblems because this represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Remember, these are, these are in the scriptures. And we read them every year at the Passover. And when he had given thanks, he broke, broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial service once a year. We come together and we, and we, and we accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the emblems that he's given. He says, if you don't take these, you have no part in me. Remember what it said. You have no part in me. After the same manner also, he took the cup and he said, and he supped saying, this cup is the new covenant, New Testament. However you want to look at it. In my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Once a year, we come. It's a memorial service, a solemn memorial service in remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on an individual basis and eventually for all of mankind. He says, for, for as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Year by year, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. We look forward to that time when we can be in the kingdom of God with him on this earth, helping to rule Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of, of the Lord. You can look up, and it, it, it does actually mean uh, irreverently, an unworthy manner. Um, it seems to have a connotation that coming with uh, a, a flippant attitude, not understanding what you're doing and why you're here, why you're keeping the Passover, why you're taking those in, can cause you to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But he says, let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It's so important on a yearly basis that we actually do that and don't deny that, that we examine ourselves, but we also come and we take of it. It's so important. 
For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks. The word damnation can mean judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And he says, for this cause are many of you weak, sickly among you, many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my, bro my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat it at home. That's the reason why we have the Passover service. It's, no, it's not a, 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 an eating service. It's just the, the, the bread and the wine and the, and the foot washing, the, the, the humbling put for, foot washing service. Those are very, very important that we partake of, the, partake of that. And if you have it at home, that's also a possibility. And you should, if you do that, you should take it reverently. You should take it in the, in the right kind of attitude and prayerfully that God will bless your taking of that Passover service. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That you come together, uh, that you not come together in condemnation. And the rest, he says, I will set in order uh, when I come. Brethren, it's very important that this is uh, beginning of the, the cycle of uh, God's holy days and Christ has taught us that the Passover is the beginning of his work in converting the world eventually but it starts with us doesn't it as Christ is our Passover 